Kia ora tato. this is the blog post from the 27th of August 2020. If you don't see a problem, why would you think of changing anything? Last week we added to the puna the pool of kōrero and information about optimal health and wellness according to how we interact with atua, with the elemental forces or gods, in terms of the hierarchy that comes with our connection to food, water and air. How we need these to survive, for sure, um, but there are other elements that come into play for us to truly live and thrive. For example, developing meaningful connections, belonging, being part of something bigger or greater than ourselves, to name a few. And I think those fit into the realm of urutingangana, but more on that when the moon cycle rolls around. We're focusing on kai for the next few weeks and to just really set the foundations for this bwananga because it's so massive and I think in terms of its placement in that sequence or in that hierarchy, it's the perfect place to start as we dive deeper and deeper um, and consider more philosophical or abstract kinds of whakaro. But so we're focusing on kai for the next few weeks, um, not just because of that sequence, but also in terms of our connection to it on an individual and collective level and how big of a role it plays in our lives today. First up, we have a spiritual connection to kai through ceremonies and rituals and also our whakapapa and ancestral connection to it as well. There's an emotional element to it, it provides comfort and triggers receptors in the brain to release chemicals that make us feel a type of way. There's the physical connection of hunting, gathering, growing and harvesting the foods, preparing the meals, food as fuel, etc. It's so much more than just the physical food item or the meal we put into our mouths, but has been limited to that part of the kai life cycle for many of us. And as a result, we miss out on all different layers of connection to ourselves and to tupuna and to these ancestors because we're not participating in certain parts of the process. But it begs the question, like, is this a problem? Why should we care? And if we don't see a problem with this and how we're doing things, why would we think that something needs to change or beyond that, why would we take action to try and change something? Before Uepoto's discovery of the world beyond Rangi and Papa, heaven and earth, there was no alternative, and being tucked in between them was the only option for Te Ratua, the gods. <laughs> it didn't matter that they didn't like it, or if they enjoyed that place, because there was no alternative to even think about or consider, because that was all they knew, and all they had ever experienced, and until that moment, all they were going to experience. And when we copy and paste this principle or this example and apply it to other scenarios and circumstances in our lives, a more striking picture starts to reveal itself. Let's take, for example, or for this first um, wānanga adventure, the mental food, the information we consume. No doubt you've come across the news of the sentencing for the terrorists responsible for last year's mosque shootings in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Upon consuming that information, what did it stir up in you? How did you physically feel or react? Did coming into contact with any articles change or affect you in any way? What emotions came up? Where were you when you learned of the sentence? Or did your mind travel back to where you were on March 15th when the attacks happened? Did you actively search this information out or did it find you somehow? Were you scrolling, minding your own business, and did you happen upon this information? Or there's something else that I'm sure we're all familiar with by now, no matter where you are, which is COVID-19. 
What's your emotional connection to this virus that's affected our lives and livelihoods so much? Is there a spiritual connection there? Something physical? How does any news or information you come into contact with about coronavirus and everything that comes from it make you feel? Are you excited, happy, fearful, anxious, worried, indifferent, unbothered? Because we need to realize that consuming the information is just one part, just like with eating. So if we became more aware about what our relationship with Kai actually entails, what it actually looks like, would we be more intentional about how we ate, what we ate, and even why we were eating in the first place, compared to if we just focused on the consumption part of the equation? Would we also then notice a problem or two or three or more <laughs> in the relationship we have with Kai? All the way from how we cultivate it to how we consume it and the after effects of it? Tiratu have formed whole new worlds after being exposed to an alternative possibility. And it excites me to think about what new worlds are awaiting for us on the other side of considering an alternative path. That small seed of possibility is all we need to get started. Then nurture it into curiosity strong enough to break through and separate heaven and earth, old and new, just as our tupuna did. To imagine what our futures might look like, who we might be and what we might contribute to future generations. But first we need to acknowledge a problem exists in the first place. And this is a quote from Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, the author of Women Who Run With The Wolves, one of my top favourite books, hands down. To begin healing, stop kidding yourself that a little feel-good of the wrong sort will take care of a broken leg. Tell the truth about your wound and then you will get a truthful picture of the remedy to apply to it. The diagnosis will sting because self and collective reflection that results in us being in the wrong or that we could make improvements means we have a responsibility to do something about it. But that's also how we know to find and use the right medicine for our specific particular mamai. That's how we heal ourselves, our people, our taio in the world. Tēnā tātou, hana. And there's a footnote here that's not really relevant for you listening, um, but the photo for this post is of my nan and my dad. And the footnote goes like this. I was initially writing this post about something else, about building on a steady foundation, one of love, kindness and faith. Hence why my nan and pups are the photo for it. But as I was writing, it didn't sit right for this week's post. So I'll keep chipping away at it. I'll put it on the back burner. Um, and hopefully get it into a state that's shareable with you soon. And just another note in there, I miss them both heaps. Um, Dad having his rest and Nan probably watching her Netflix show at home with the volume cranked all the way up. <laughs> and I think that also sets some context for some backstory to this post. I found this one hard to write and I think it's because there's a few other things that have changed or that have come into fruition in my personal life and I couldn't just make time to focus on bringing this post to life. And so even though I really like how it's turned out, it definitely wasn't what I was initially going to write about. And again, what I wanted to add in here, if you can remember last week's post, which was setting the foundation it was the first of this new series where we're talking about optimal health and wellness in terms of the sequence of how we engage with food water and air and light 
So this next moon cycle, we're going to be focusing on food. The next moon cycle on water. or I don't know. That's the kind of plan that I have hashed out at the moment. And I think one of the reservations I have about planning is because once I've set it in place, it if I start to veer off course <laughs> or, you know, follow this other tangent and pull on different threads and reach a different place and it doesn't fit that plan, I kind of struggle. And I think as much as I like this plan and this approach, I think it's yeah going to bring some cool learnings for me. And I've just been tr- struggling at the start with it. <laughs> uh, but I really enjoyed this post and think having that comparison of the mental food that mental sustenance and the information we consume and with two very relevant and quite um, deep kaupapa with the sentencing and the mosque shootings, the terrorist attack that hit us here in New Zealand, exposing that underbelly of racism that is rife here in Aotearoa Um, and then also our experience with corona and understanding that the interaction or consuming the information is just one part of its life cycle just like with food and we miss out and I think it makes us unsafe or puts us in a very unsafe potentially vulnerable exposed situation and position when we're not part of those other processes so if you think about any interaction you have with food is it just like pressing a button on Uber Eats or pulling up to a drive through or just taking something in its final product? You know, and sometimes our lives are so busy that we feel that's our only option. Um, but what else are we missing out on as a result of only engaging in this part of the kai? And because I know our tupuna, um, meal times were such, a, like, it was a ritual for them. It was a joyous occasion, it was, um, it was a light, like it was to bring them out of the state of tapu or whatever they were working on and come together. Um, there were, you know, a lot of people, it was a feast and there was a lot of movement and there was, even before that, the preparation, the planting, the gardening, establishing this relationship with their natural environment and I know that's not feasible or likely to happen for many of us. Like I tried to plant a garden and they're still alive, um, <laughs> thankfully, who would have thought, um, but we miss out on so many parts of the life cycle of our food, and so that begs the question, like what else are we missing out on, if we think about the drop down of what comes with that food or what comes with that process, so if we were going to hunt for our food or go to fish or to dive or to harvest it or to grow it, there are other drop-down pieces of matauranga or knowledge that we miss out on as well because we're only engaging with it at the end or near the end. And so when we think about the mental information we consume, and then we could even go into spiritual kai, emotional, psychological, creative kai that we're consuming, how much of that process are we actually engaged with? And so that was one of the angles I was trying to get at um, with this, which kind of goes full circle in a way. If you don't see a problem, why would you think to change anything? And so if you don't see any problem with that, then you're probably going to be like, okay, cool, Hannah, <laughs> that doesn't apply to me, like, all good. 
But if you start to unpack it a little bit more, like that's where I see the problem for me because um, my the extent of my hunting and gathering um, goes to either binin or to supermarkets and the one-off trip into the ngahere, to the patakakai out in the forest or out at sea or in the rivers or wherever in the natural environment. And so I start to think about, well, what else am I missing out on or how else can I engage with kai that will nourish me in a different way? And so, yeah, really like the plan <laughs> as much of a struggle as it has been for me, providing some really cool wānanga and some cool insights. And hopefully there's something of value for you in there as well. But let me know, keen to hear how you experienced that kōrero or any whakaro that came up for you. Catch you on the next one. Hei kōnā.